Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Just a couple royal reminders before we dive in. As always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group at Royally Obsessed. And you can also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating, five stars, pretty please. And send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Bowie, how are you? I'm sorry, Rachel. Rachel Bowie, how are I know. you? <laughs> we have to be so careful about that, Roberta. Um, <laughs> I am good. I had a few days off last week and I feel definitely revived. I mean, I didn't do anything much, but it was it was wonderful to have a little time off. Nice. And you spent some time with your mom, which is always lovely. Actually, I had a kid-free moment. I went to Maine for 24 hours uh, just because we are working on a house up there and it was it was actually just very restorative. I think that it's, you know, I love my son, but I have taken very <laughs> few breaks from him. <laughs> yeah, you need some time away, yeah. which is so nice. Yeah. Mine was not as relaxing. I went to a socially distanced bridal shower. Oh, for how did that go? My boyfriend's sister. It was good. It was good. It was um, crazy at the last minute. It got the venue got moved at the very last second because of an electric outage. I mean, the East Coast was totally without power, right? Because of the hurricane, we had a lot of coworkers too that didn't have power for at least a week. So. We made it work, um, but yeah, I feel like I need like a five-day weekend now. <laughs> I feel for all the brides during this whole thing. I still I like every time it feels just awful, but I'll hail the micro wedding too. <laughs> yeah, you can make it work. Like we've seen it work, so it's definitely possible. Well, Roberta, I still haven't gotten my hard copy of Finding Freedom, but it's here. It's here. <laughs> it's finally here. I know. I'm uh, so excited. It came out today, the day we're recording, so two days past when we when this episode airs, but we're going to go over the biggest revelations that we now have. And we've also got mask-tastic news. Do you like that? I <laughs> love that. that was Kate wore a mask. Um, and so did William. We've got all the details from their trip to Wales coming up. That and so much more. But first, we need to get through our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Cheers, Bowie, on this hot. Sorry, Rachel. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna do that a million times. I like it. Just we'll just be very clear. Rachel Bowie, Roberta Fiorito. I won't call you Roberta Fiorito. Can't even say it. Roberta Fiorito. But know that I'm Bowie. Correct. Cheers with rosé. Oh my because gosh, it's refreshing. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some Sancerre. I have like a little kind of tiny nip of it, but I'm. Uh, Sancerre is fancy. I know. I'm opening it right now as we speak. Um, but it felt kind of refreshing because it's like a cool 90 degrees here. So yeah, rosé is what I'm going with because it was in the fridge after the bridal shower, and so there's like 20 bottles. But it's always when you have extra wine bottles left over from an event or something that you're like, I'm overwhelmed. I like don't yeah. want to drink wine ever again. Like, totally. and then when you like really, really want it, there's never any in your fridge. So I feel like I'm in that conundrum right now. Done. But Easy. It's helping get through the hot afternoon. 
And we have a wonderful Royally Obsessed Facebook group thread to chat about as we're sipping. So Kelly Ann asked about finding freedom. She said, all right, y'all, finding freedom. Let's discuss. And remember, it is okay to disagree, which I love that she put that little here, here. disclaimer in. Yes. So there were over 40 comments on the thread so far, and it just came out this morning. So we were reading through it, and there are definitely a lot of opinions. You guys have hashtag so many thoughts on the book already. Maeve wrote, I was disappointed with it. Everything is blamed on the men in gray suits without naming who they are. So it all sounds shadowy and abstract. There are so many bland details. And then they just skim over major stuff like why Harry and Meghan fired their nurse in the middle of the night or the Rose Hanbury rumors vaguely saying Harry felt he was being thrown under the bus. That's what I want details on. Not what yoga pose Meghan liked to do in Botswana. Also the line where they say their days were spent getting closer to nature and their evenings closer to each other. God help us. I feel like that was <laughs> that was a major criticism a lot of people a lot of the row rows had was that it was a little too rom-com esque. Mm, yeah. So I'm interested as I dig in and read it this week if I have that same opinion because I totally get that. Like I get that they're they definitely play up the details of them falling in love and everything. Um, but then Grace wrote back. She said, "I'm not sure what people were expecting, but I live for the romance of it all." They started out writing this book two years ago, and I'm sure they initially thought it would be a fluffy, feel good read about their relationship to each their own. And to people complaining about not naming names, that has been the norm from the beginning. Everything comes from unnamed sources. It's just up to us whether to believe it or not. Mm. Um, so that was just a snippet from her comment. But I thought it is really interesting to see the reactions to the book so far. I mean, it just came out. So I mean, I definitely I I do kind of like the romance of it all. I really like the you know, that they're filling in the holes on so many questions that we had about that initial meeting and how it all transpired. Um, I like the rom-com-esque-ness of it. You know, (laughs) I think that it's, uh, you know, it's it makes it feel like a fairy tale, but I'm probably just buying into that a little bit too much. But oh, I'm definitely I'm definitely sipping the the Kool-Aid, as they say. But I I think it's there are parts where it does feel uh, a little bit maybe to Harry and Meghan's point of view. And, you know, that that is because. Omid Scobie and Carolyn Duran, they said they got really close to the couple. And so they definitely, you know, put their foot down. They didn't interview them. They have no off the record interviews, but they that's who the story is about. And so I think that that's kind of why you feel like, who knows? I mean, I'm excited to just dig in myself. So we'll see. Well, yeah. And I think like a hundred of their closest friends, I mean, Victoria Arbiter, who's the daughter of Dickie Arbiter said, you know, it's like, they clearly gave their permission to these people because no one in their close circle of trust would breach that confidence. So I feel like the source is real there. You know, I I love all the detail, even if it is rom-com-esque. Yeah. It's from their point of view. They want to tell their story how, how they want, I guess. Anyways, great thread. This week in Royal History, though. And now, this week in Royal History. Double royal birthday. Woo. Happy birthday. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. Clink, clink, clink with our yeah, my my rosé. <laughs> Mine's like really cold. I just took it out. Yeah, which yours is great. looks chilly. Yeah, it looks chilled, lovely. right? It's yeah. like really nice. Um, Princess Anne and Princess Beatrice both have birthdays. With um, August 8th was Princess Beatrice. 
and August 15th is Princess Anne. Uh, Princess Beatrice of York is 32. She is the daughter of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson. She was born at Portland Hospital in London on August 8th, 1988 at 8.18 p.m. Whoa. This gets my like numerological juices flowing like the 8888 at 8.18. That is wild. It's so cool. I feel like that's the great I think she said that people don't believe her when she tells them her birthday, which I thought was funny. They're like, you're joking, right? Written in the stars. Yeah. Uh, Fergie revealed the epic date and time on her recent Instagram post and as she wished her eldest a happy birthday. At the time of B's birth, she was fifth in line for the throne, but now she's ninth, which is kind of crazy. Um, all these heirs being born. Um, Fergie and Prince Andrew also didn't announce her name for two weeks. She's supposedly named after Queen Victoria's youngest daughter. How do you think B is spending her birthday or how did she spend her birthday? I'm wondering if they're still on their little low-key honeymoon in France, the south of France, because they were there. I feel like maybe it was last week or the week before, but we heard from sources that they would be going to a bigger, more luxurious, large-scale honeymoon later this month, later mm-hmm. in August. So I'm wondering if they are on that yet or if they're in the middle or whatever it is. It sounds like it might be at the end of August. Uh, So that's really exciting. And I hope that there's like some news about this bigger honeymoon. I know. I was checking their Edo's Instagram and and every, you know, seeing if there was any any sort of rumblings about where they were. I'm also curious if they're going to head to Balmoral. You know, the queen is there now on vacation. That's right. And, That's and they right. said, um, they're saying that members of the family will be visiting her. And I know, we know that B is such a close connection of the queens. They have a special yes. relationship. So I'm curious if there will be any, you know, pop-up staying in separate residences is what they said. Um, right. But a socially distanced lunch or something like that. Um, but I also really love the selfie that Eugenie posted in and the little B emoji, happy birthday BB is her nickname. I thought that was so sweet. It was from the eve of the wedding. Is that right? I think yeah, that was, it was from the eve of the wedding, which, which I just was so sweet. I feel like that is especially for sisters. It's such a special time. And I kind of loved that sort of, you know, I kind of wrote around what I didn't see in the picture, but just how special it must have been for the two of them to be together and know what was ahead the next day, this micro wedding that they pulled off in secret. And to be so low key about it, like wearing a t-shirt, her hair is in like this messy ponytail with and a, a scrunchie, scrunchie which, yeah. which Eugenie called her out about. <laughs> right. The 90s throwback. Like, I just think that they, to, to me, they seem so down to earth. And so I think that that was really a lovely selfie from Eugenie for the, her birthday. So happy birthday, Princess Beatrice. Yes. And then Princess Anne, she's the first and only daughter of Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. She turned 70 or turned 70 on August 15th. She was born in Clarence House in London when her mother was still Princess Elizabeth. She was only 24 years old. Uh, At the time of her birth, she was second in line to the throne, but she's now 14th. She's often considered one of the hardest working members of the royal family, is involved in 300 charities, and attends hundreds of engagements each year. Over 500. Isn't that insane? It's absolutely insane. And I think the only person that eclipses her or that has eclipsed her in past years is Prince Charles. But I'm wondering if that's on purpose because of the hierarchy and because of the line of succession, if he just does more events to be like, I'm the hardest working royal (laughs) and I'm going to be king. Like, yeah, to be like a little, have a little up nudge above his royal sister. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's super, super interesting. And she... I just love her. The grumpy one with the bun was something one person classified her as. And I thought that was so, so appropriate. I know. And I actually think what's interesting about the number of events is that apparently Charles is kind of in the lead for virtual events during COVID, which we know Anne is not as into the online thing. So oh, right. <laughs> maybe oh, this there's is a virtual event 
Tally. Interesting. Exactly. I've been getting pitches about it, which I think is so funny. Um, People are keeping track, which we obviously should be keeping track too. But but Charles is surging ahead with William, I think, as a close second. So he's always hopping on that Zoom call. Yeah, always on Zoom. Um, But yeah, she's one of the most low-key royals. She loves horses. And she once wore a coat and blouse she had previously worn 35 years earlier. Hilarious. Crazy. I, I love fashion. this. She wore it to the Royal Ascot and it was from the 80s. And she like broke it out of her closet and was like, look, I can still rock this like a pro. And that's what you get when you dress so classically. I mean, I feel like all the royals always have, True. you know, just such uh, classic taste with their style. Definitely. So this year there was supposed to be a big 70th birthday bash for Princess Anne at Buckingham Palace, but it was for obvious reasons, canceled earlier this year, which is such a bummer because 70 is such a milestone birthday. Um, And instead, she's sailing around the west coast of Scotland with her husband, Vice Admirable, Admirable, but also Admiral, (laughs) Timothy Lawrence. (laughs) I admire him so much, clearly. (laughs) He is Vice Admirable, Admiral. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, it's uh, that sounds, I mean, that sounds just as lovely, in my opinion. What do you think? And that's like one of her favorite things to do, I guess, is to sail. And and they love Scotland. And so maybe they'll stop at Balmoral as well on their trip. But yes, I think that that she probably is pretty relieved. She doesn't seem like one to like love attention, just like Prince Philip, her dad. So I think them canceling the Buckingham Palace huge 70th birthday bash was probably like a sigh of relief for her. Yeah, I would think. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she did have an early birthday lunch with the Queen where they did a socially distant get together at Frogmore House, which I feel like is also really nice because, you know, they're so close. I have I still can't get over their Zoom, you know, how, how she got the queen on Zoom. I, I I love all that. Yes. And I'm wondering, like, if they're at Frogmore House, Frogmore Cottage, which is obviously empty because of <laughs> Harry and Meghan moving out, I wonder if they, like, peeped in and they were like, ooh, what's the decor over yeah. here? Like, what does it look like? Because, like, that's what I would do. I'm so <laughs> curious to see what the inside of Frogmore Cottage looks like. So I'm, I'm just wondering if they probably peeped into their gosh they should open that up for tours that would be incredible they will not but (laughs) uh so many birthdays in august i feel like megan just had her 39th which is so crazy and we have some updates about that too yeah so we always talk about spring birthdays but there are a lot of august and even september harry's september birthday so i think that this is also a really busy time so we need to talk about megan's 39th birthday celebrations. They reportedly spent the day as a family at their home, Tyler Perry's house, uh, current home, I should say, in L.A. And later, Doria, Megan's mom, watched Archie as Harry cooked her a three-course meal to celebrate as a couple, which I thought was so sweet. So nice. Harry is really refining his cooking skills in quarantine, which is what what we're all doing. I know. Uh, Doria helped prep. Yeah, Doria helped prep the dinner and then babysat Archie while they ate. And there was also reportedly, obviously take this with a grain of salt because of unnamed sources, it's Us Weekly, but they had a huge chocolate cake with balloons and frosting and a personalized necklace and framed picture that Harry gave Megan. So Harry really loves the necklaces. I feel like we just talked about the M&H Ani and Ren necklace last week. Uh, I thought that, you know, another necklace to add to her collection. She always Honestly, loves I, her gold necklaces. I wouldn't mind a necklace every birthday. <laughs> Matt, are you listening? I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Yeah. Especially the initial one. I think that's so sweet. I'm so curious also, like, because it's a frame pick. I wonder when they're going to have a permanent address in LA. I know. It has to be so hard to just be like kind of at Tyler Perry's, you know, this whole time and not have a permanent location. Totally. And we were just talking about this because someone, which is, this is still hilarious to me, asked you if you knew the address of Megan in LA, which like, bless your heart. Of course, we don't know their address, but like, 
it's interesting to know if they will stay there for the unforeseeable future. I mean, I don't know if they're house hunting right now, but I I would love to hear more about those plans. I know. It's all going to start unfolding. I think we just got to get to the other side of this pandemic. But hopefully maybe they're going on, you know, socially distanced tours of houses, which is, you know, a raging market right now. All right. So our first news bullet this week, Finding Freedom is finally here. Woo! We need like some sound effects. To, I, I mean, know. We've been waiting all summer, all quarantine. I feel like we were talking about it in March. It's crazy that it's already like almost mid-August. It kind of yeah. freaks me out. Remember when we debated felt, the name of it? It, it so- felt <laughs> so long ago. I feel like I can't believe it's finally here, but we are so excited to read. As Rachel mentioned, we are recording on Tuesdays and the book just came out today, so we cannot wait to dig in ourselves. But there have been a lot of tidbits spilled from the book that people have been, I don't know if you're like the fastest readers on earth or something. or how like some other Roros have really been digging in. We've been getting some messages this morning of people. Yeah, they're, they're like 100 pages in. I'm like, you guys are the real MVPs here. Um, and we will have exciting news around table to discuss the book next week. So Rachel and I are really excited to have two very special guests with us next week to discuss the book. But the revelations that came from today. So we'll go through these pretty quickly because there's a lot to unpack here. The first one I want to point out is when Megan met Prince William. So the book says that Megan was ready to be grilled by her future brother-in-law. However, William reportedly said, I was looking forward to meeting the girl who has put that silly grin on my brother's face. So very kind of a sweet thing to say. I think that's so sweet. I really like that. It is in stark contrast to the this girl comment that we've kind of dissected before. And it seems like William was really excited for his brother at one point. Uh, I like how it's not that obvious that Megan and Harry always did the right thing or had the right reaction, though. In this kind of moment in this context the author saying that Megan was ready to be grilled it seems like she might have had her guard up and that could have you know put this bad taste in the Duke of Cambridge's mouth or whatever I I just think that it's not always you know butterflies and daisies of this book like Megan and Harry did make mistakes, and I like that they're clear to point that out at some yeah, point. Yeah, I wonder how she got that in her head. I wonder if it was just all the experience with the royal aides and things like that that kind of made her, or if Harry said something like, you know, to be prepared for certain things. It's, you know, it, I guess, though, in, in just life, you kind of expect when it is a brother or a sibling to be, you know, the oh, first totally. meeting is Yeah, is like intense. in a future in-law, perhaps. Yeah, yes, exactly. Definitely. But definitely. that's kind of fun. It is It is in stark contrast to the this girl comment, which I think is also somewhat taken out of context. I don't know. I feel it it could go both ways. Totally. The next big thing is Prince Charles's 70th birthday portrait. So we talked about this with Chris Jackson when he was on the pod in May. Uh, Royal photographer Chris Jackson talked about when they took this photo and it was a big family moment and there was excitement and it was so special because everyone got together. But Dun, dun, dun. Behind the scenes, it seemed it was much less so. So the quote in Finding Freedom is, the boys can be hot and cold with their father, a source said, calling the planning for the photo an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's so interesting. Kind of crazy. And neither William nor Harry made much of an effort to make themselves available, the source said. So it's like this wasn't easy. Nobody made it an easy thing to plan this this wonderful photo shoot for Prince Charles's birthday. That to me is pretty weird because I feel like they really love and respect their father. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even and I mean, I know Megan's separate from this, but it's 
she thinks there's a lot of reports from Finding Freedom that she considers Prince Charles a second father to her, not yeah. just father-in-law, but second father. So I know that this is related to the boys, but um, what I came to understand about it is that it, they have a lot of inner turmoil, at least at this stage in the game, about the boss father role. Like Prince Charles is their father, but he's also the crown. And so he really calls the shots on so many things for their lives. So I think that that's where the friction materializes for them. It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. The next thing I want to point out is the night nurse fiasco. Yeah, this is where I wish it was less vague. <laughs> I need to know what happened. And Omid told that UK Times reporter, so and he, off the record, of course. So I'm so curious what really did happen, especially as a mom. Like, I feel Wait, like he told... Go back. Yeah. So in, that inter- in that interview um, that, you know, I think that this subject came up when the excerpts were first released and and the interviewer asked Omid off the record what actually happened. And because I think that Harry and Meghan got a lot of um, pushback about this particular yeah. incident and right. they were called kind of divas and irrational and that kind of thing. And uh, the reporter said that if they had experienced what had happened without saying what happened, they would have let this nurse go too. Wow. So Omid explained to the reporter what happened off the record. It's not in the book, but I'm just so So curious. So people know about it. Other people know about this, and it was kind of horrible. So for context, Scobie and Durand write that Meghan and Harry were forced to let the nurse go in the middle of her second night of work for being unprofessional and irresponsible. And I don't know if anyone else went there, but my mind just went to she was like taking photos of baby Archie. That's what I would think of immediately because they've had so many problems with the invasion of privacy and people trying to take photos of them mm-hmm. in private or of Archie when he's like out playing by the pool or whatever it is. And so that's what I went to. And maybe someone was trying to like get her to sell photos. I don't know. It's just very scary. Yeah. Sticky. I think for me, I more think it's probably related to my guess. I mean, this is totally a guess is just that I think that there's a lot of negligence that could happen when you have to stay up overnight and you True. you are basically pulling an all-nighter when the parents are sleeping. I think that night nurses can be controversial in that regard. And I think if they want wanted more control, you ne- you just never know. I feel like it's definitely- You never know. Yeah. I mean, mine know. was totally a guess as well. I have no inside sources. Yeah. <laughs> so please do not think that I know anything other than what like is written in this book. But I just- that's what my mind first went to. And, well, I, and I think was, it's such a vulnerable place. Yeah. You know, they're trusting someone with their newborn baby who's just a couple of days old. So I think that that's like a lot of things could have gone wrong. And while they did end up hiring another night nurse who did a fine job, quote, the incident with the first night nurse was so upsetting that they ended up hiring a nanny during the day and then handling the night times by themselves. So they would put Archie down to sleep and check on him at night. They felt that you know, that seriously about whatever happened and neither found themselves, this is a quote from the book, neither found themselves comfortable sleeping through the night without going to check on Archie regularly. Mm. Yeah. Another disappointment for Prince Harry. So his biggest disappointment, the book alleges, is when he was stripped of his honorary military appointments. It was a tough pill to swallow and the one that has been the most painful for Meghan to witness him go through, a source said. It's the one that made Harry emotional. It was so unnecessary. Meghan later told a friend about the decision And it's not just taking something away from him. It's also the entire military veteran community. You can see how much he means to them, too. So why? The powers of the institution are unfortunately greater than me, is what is supposedly Megan told a friend in Finding Freedom. So we like kind of knew a little bit of this before. He looked very emotional at the Mountbatten Festival of Music, one of their last events as Royals. And when they received a standing ovation, people thought Harry looked a little 
you know, teary-eyed. Very choked um, up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that it was so obvious that that is something that is so meaningful to him. I also think it's interesting because the book also shares a the fact that Megan, you know, this was one of their final events as senior royals when they're saying goodbye to everything. And she also had a teary goodbye right before the, you know, the frosty Commonwealth Day service with uh, the boys and, you know, Megan and Kate all together. But she said to the people still in the room, this is the last hat for a while, guys, as she kind of tearfully said goodbye to them. And Omid was in that group when she said that. It's it's a very sad goodbye. Yeah. And there's so much insight now into these last events that I think it really sheds a lot of light on how they were feeling. They weren't pretty sad to leave their positions. It wasn't an easy choice for them at all. And, mm-hmm. and now we have confirmation of that. And then on a happier note, finally, Harry and Meghan's first dance song. So the big reveal of the song that Harry and Meghan danced to at their wedding reception is I'm in Love by Wilson Pickett. And we would attempt to sing it, but we probably wouldn't do it <laughs> yeah, No, we won't do it justice, but it's so romantic. I love the vibe. I'm like so into it. And getting more insight on their wedding is so fun. It is fun. And and so the soundtrack of the night was 60s soul music. They played The Temptations, Stevie Wonder, and more. According to the book, they quickly segued into electronic music, which is <laughs> Harry's favorite, obviously the Dead Mouse, Dead Mouse 5 handle. Yeah. And courtesy of Idris Elba, who DJed, he took over the DJ booth for about an hour. I love learning more about this. Um, there was also, it sh- they shared the playlist while she was getting ready, and it was Billy Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald, Buddy Holly, and Ben E. King. Yeah. Did you also see the detail that James Corden dressed as Henry VIII and did like a comedy routine? For the wedding reception? For the wedding reception. He was no. a guest. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so funny, right? I hope one day in like 50 years we get like a clip of that and yeah. we can all look back and just be like, what was happening? I know. Should we <sighs> do like rapid fire for these last? We have just more. We're going to like just unleash all these other rep- revelations. Tons. Let's just go through them yeah. really quickly. So we know Russian hackers stole personal photos from Harry and Meghan. Yeah, they lifted them right off of Alexi Lombrowski, their wedding photographer's computer, which is they hacked right into it. Like, this is a problem. I don't know. Like, it's insane. They were very upset about it. And I don't think that they were ever leaked. They were posted on Tumblr and people thought they were photoshopped. Yes. So very sketchy and no one believed that they were real. But I guess they were real. I tried to find them and they're not there. So don't go looking for them. (laughs) But then there were steamy pics of them in Jamaica that have never been revealed either. And I just feel like that was taken at a friend's wedding in 2017 that uh, Harry's friend, um, the fact that they had that intrusiveness, I mean, obviously it's like par for the course, but so early on they were out on a balcony, they were taking a dip in the water and Harry apparently went berserk. Yeah. Berserk. berserk I guess they were that steamy that he was, they said, I think the the book author said he was a apoplectic, apoplectic yeah. about the photos. And those have never seen the light of day. So thank goodness. But yeah, that was a major, major. Just an intrusion. He was promised intrusion. privacy. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, I love this Megan's protocol binder. She carried around binders full of royal protocol, I guess, to events and things so that she would get everything right. She's such a studious one. And the queen was really impressed with how quickly she picked it up and and I think gifted her a pair of earrings as well, I read. So Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. yeah, she she was very impressed by how quickly she picked everything up. And and but Harry felt he was thrown under the bus by aides working for his brother. So he felt like whenever something went wrong, Harry was the one who and we've heard about this before with aides leaking certain stories to like throw the spotlight off something else. And so I feel like 
We just got more confirmation of that. Also, royal courtiers feared that the brothers falling out could spell the end of the monarchy. And so palace aides actually had a retreat in 2019 to try and sort things out. And it's not clear if the palace aides, and maybe the book makes this more clear, but that they were, it was just them and not any of the royals, but the aides gathered together to try and figure out what they could do to fix things so mm-hmm. and it, it clearly said it keeps con- tying back to the this girl comment which is so wild but it harry is. was just completely set off by that yeah and then we got more details of their italian getaway with george and amal and, and supposedly it overlapped with eugenie and jack brooks bank which was uh, really fun Sounds and i did so not know that fabulous. before i know and to so be a fly wonderful. on the wall of that getaway seriously they had private chefs cook them you know dinners every night at their house in order to kind of have a little more security so they weren't stepping out to restaurants or anything and harry rode one of george clooney's motorcycles uh yeah. around the countryside so but he did he it solo do you remember george was still injured because he had that bad motorcycle he had an accident yeah, yeah. it was right around that time which is so crazy uh, I, the book also confirmed that Megan was upset um, and did take notice of the racist brooch worn by Princess Michael of Kent to the family's Christmas lunch. And she worried at the time. I mean, it was pretty early on. I think it you know, was her first Christmas that a message was being sent, which is just awful. I think Princess Michael of Kent apologized for that, but it was not really clear if that was a sincere apology. It yeah. seems like. Or if that, and if of... that was an intentional choice, which. Exactly. Ooh, exactly. Was, yeah. And Eugenie's staffer was the one who tipped off the media about Harry and Meghan's relationship, which is absolutely wild because I guess Harry and Eugenie are very close as cousins. And so I think that they Eugenie was one of the first people to know about the relationship. And that is how it got out. I'm excited to learn more about kind of the inner workings of the courtiers and the, the dynamics next week. of it. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that next totally, week. Totally, totally. With Pippa's wedding, that was another big reveal. Basically, Megan was supposed to be Harry's date to that wedding when it happened, but then there was a big tabloid story about, that compared her derriere to Pippa's derriere, and so they just decided to take the spotlight off of Megan and get her out of there. So she didn't attend. She just quietly went to the reception, and she apparently had an outfit all picked out and everything. And it's, ugh, I just, I think those are the revelations that really upset me. I'm just like, this is insane how much the tabloids can, can just create a robot. I know. So, so gross. One of the weirdest, like funniest ones though, was about the Christmas gifts. The Royals get each other some very strange Christmas gifts, including like a talking sea bass that the queen loves and put on the wall at Balmoral. Uh, there were some other weird ones. Because that's always the theme, right? It has to be a silly gift. Nothing extravagant for Christmas, right? At Sandringham. Yeah. And so they revealed some specific ones. Yeah. So William, I guess Megan did really well the first year and she gave um, Prince William a spoon that said seriously Serial killer, but spelled C E R E A L. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that is cute. <laughs> And then I think Kate gave Prince Harry one that was a grow your own girlfriend kit. And that was like way back before (laughs) Megan. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like a joke that like Harry was, you know, a ladies man and had a bunch of girlfriends. And so they had or couldn't find the right one, I guess. And so I thought that was good. Kate has a sense of humor for sure. Yeah. So many more revelations to talk about, though. I cannot wait to dig into this more next week. Uh, All right. So moving on more news. Kate visited a baby bank. This okay. First, I just want to say that every time we record this episode, as soon as we finish recording, all this amazing <sighs> news happens. So the big reveal is that Kate wore a mask, and that was huge. And Roberta and I were like, "Let's re-record," but we obviously couldn't do that. Um, but I was, anyway, I was trying out every avenue too. I was like, "We're gonna record an addendum." 
random and put it at the beginning of the episode and then people will know that we saw them in masks. Like I really wanted to talk about this last week. I'm so excited we're talking about it. Well, it's only because we've just been waiting with bated breath for Kate to wear a mask. But she stepped out to a baby bank um, and it was the mask that she wore was a Maya. It's a kid's brand in London. It costs 15 pounds. Apparently, you know, I'm tempted to order, but I think the shipping is way more than even the cost of the mask. But 30% of the proceeds go to the NHS according to their site. So it's a great pick for Kate to wear that mask. And she's worn it a few times already. So um, I was just thrilled. I love the Princess Eugenie tie-in. So Eugenie connected this brand, Amaya, which is a royal go-to for kids' clothing. Uh, She connected them to NHS charities and hospitals through Instagram. And so I thought that was so nice. And and the royals are kind of working together, albeit, you know, online and social distancing and all of that, but really working together to kind of get these masks to people in need. So I thought that was really lovely. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and she also wore a dress by Susanna, which she last wore at Wimbledon. I'm really loving the sustainable fashion from the Royals, you know, going back into their closet. She updated it by ditching the belt that she had previously worn to Wimbledon. Um, but her time at Baby Basics in Sheffield, I mean, she did so much. She served, the goal of the organization is to serve critical baby supplies like diapers, wipes, food, and books. And Kate just kind of put on gloves, but she dug her hands in and really uh, helped them distribute a lot of different supplies. And you could see in one of the pictures that Trotters made a big donation, which we know is one of Prince Louis' jumpers. So I feel like it's just really, really um, a a great cause. And Kate does so much with um, on behalf of kids and families with all of her royal efforts. Yeah. And then I love that there was throwback photos like spliced in with the other footage of Kate in a Bowden, a green Bowden dress and white sneakers doing, you know, more of this work with um, with Baby Bank. And so I thought that was really wonderful. She's kind of continuing and we haven't seen it before. And I'm still loving their social media panache. I'm going to call it social media panache. <laughs> Just panache. like, you know, like the stop motion clip that they shared. That, yes. But that was from what we're going to talk about next, their visit to Wales. So William and Kate also made a, uh, in the spirit of, you know, kind of the revival of tourism at Barry Island, where they all are reopening their doors, they kind of did a I want to call it a Gavin and Stacey tour because all the locations they visited were from that BBC comedy. Uh, but they went to... Wait, why don't I know about this comedy? It's like, uh, I want to say it's 90s. <laughs> I should actually know the, the decade that it aired, but it was... Um, but it starred James Corden. It was actually his breakout role. What? So it, why do we keep mentioning James Corden? I know he's our sort of um, MVP of this episode. <laughs> really? It's like an Easter egg hidden in this episode. Yeah. It's like how many times do we mention James Corden? Yeah, well, so they went, they it. dropped by the arcade that was featured in an episode of the show, but is a big hit on Barry Island. And uh, Kate wore a beautiful floral Amelia Wickstead dress, another fashion repeat. She had worn Rewear, it to the Back yeah. to Nature Garden in 2019. Um, and they played the claw, which is, the game that no one can win, right? No, no one <laughs> the wins. Stuffed that. animal thing where they drop All down. All I can think about is Toy Story, but yes. But her double thumbs up gave me life. I just love yes. that. When she thought she had it and she was like, yay! Double I thumbs feel like up. they are so competitive as a couple. It's crazy. It's one of the best things about them. Um, and they did like a little ball throwing game. Uh, they didn't socially distance. That was my only thing because they were indoors and they didn't have masks on. And that's where I was just like, Oh, like she leaned close to the they kid. They were wearing masks later. Later right? at when the they... senior care center, okay. but not in the arcade. And I just feel like not inside. Inside yeah. when you're, th- and they weren't far apart, but you know. It's kind of like, Kate, if you're going to wear it to one inside event, just wear it to all the yeah. inside events. I don't really get it. And potentially everyone seeing them gets COVID tests would be my assumption. I'm sure there's a lot of 
preparation oh, you before think they so? go. Well, That's a lot of preparation. I, mean, I look at it like the back to school I mean, I'm efforts. sure you're right. People yeah. are getting COVID tests before they, they go wouldn't to summer risk camp. It. Yeah, right. how can they, they wouldn't risk, risk it? it with the future king? But still, that's a lot of work to do before that. I know, but then they went to Marco's Cafe, and then they their final stop was Shire Hall Care Home in Wales, where they encountered the woman that kind of threw them shade during their bingo round. <laughs> I love this. Jonah's my hero. I know, I know. So she basically they asked her in person while everyone was wearing masks, William included. Um, he also wore an, an Amaya mask. And she told them to their faces that she was unimpressed with their skills and they did a bloody <laughs> shitty job. Am I allowed to say shitty on this podcast? I don't know. Um, but that's a direct quote. And William loved her. He From made a Joan. comment afterwards saying that he wishes more people were like, we're like Joan. Yes. <laughs> we all need Joan. That. Yeah. And then finally, we have to talk about Prince Harry and his quest to stop online hate speech. So a lot has been coming out um, from Prince Harry. He wrote an article for Fast Company. But before we get into this, we want to go back to that excerpt in the UK Times from Finding Freedom. Harry couldn't stop himself from reading the comments on the articles. Things like, the world would be a better place without Harry and Meghan in it. His words per omid, it's a sick part of the society we live in today and no one is doing anything about it. So I feel like this will be Harry's number one quest going forward, especially given the link between hate speech and racism. They are so intertwined. But we highly recommend reading his essay in Fast Company. It was very moving. This line especially got us. It says, the internet has enabled us to be joined together. We are now plugged into a vast nervous system that, yes, reflects our good, but too often also magnifies and fuels our bad. We can and must encourage these platforms to redesign themselves in a more responsible and compassionate way. The world will feel it and we will all benefit from it. So the argument he lays out is is great. Also, he seems to have a real grasp on the strategy going forward of how to accomplish this. He says that advertisers need to be at the same table as advocacy leaders, policy leaders, and civil society leaders in search of a solution. Uh, he mentions that online ad sales are now eclipsing print ad sales and that it's a lawless space. I loved this essay. I thought it was so powerful. He and Megan have been talking to industry leaders in this space for f- the past four weeks and have really been educating themselves on all of it. And so I think that he does have a firm grasp on what's going on. And it seems like this is really the next cause they're both going to champion. I just think that this is a fantastic cause for Harry and Meghan to take on. And I like seeing him in a variety of spaces. I mean, I think the fact that he can pen an essay in Fast Company magazine is so cool and modern. And to hear from him in that format is amazing. And I love the bio at the end of Fast Company. Usually it's like... (laughs) The author is like a writer for blah, 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 or like has this title. And all it says is Prince Harry is Duke of Sussex. Yeah. <laughs> like, mic drop. No Enough further. said. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to know anything else. Everyone knows who that is. Like, yeah. come on. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely, it makes so much sense coming from them, too, because of the tabloid legal case and and how they've really kind of put that as their goal is to stop online hate speech. I think that they've made that so clear. And it just from everything that's happened in their lives, from everything we're learning and finding freedom, it feels like this is their cause. And it's so near and dear to their hearts. And they really feel, you know, from the privacy lawsuits and the drones coming close to them, they just they really want to tackle this and make sure that um, and also we're going to talk about the Megan engagement, but her speaking about, you know, gender equality in the newsroom and how 
and media representation. So I think that there are a lot of things that just make sense for the Sussexes in this regard. And then also he joined, Harry joined a video call with Rashad Robinson, the president of Color for Change, for a Zoom call about systemic racism, online hate, and how to use his privilege for change. So we're going to play a quick clip. For so many of the young people that I've spoken to, it's a love-hate relationship. Um, and I guess that's part of, I guess that's part of the addiction. But the, 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 the danger of this addiction compared to cigarettes or alcohol is this one is tailored to the individual. Um, and this is something that you can't get away from. It doesn't come with a warning. Um, and, and I think there's, there's a huge amount that we as society can do to help that. But, you know, touching on the other part of that question, this is very much uh, sort of integral or, or part of our mission moving forward, certainly part of uh, Archwell's mission. And, you know, we're taking sage advice from, from the right people saying, you know, take, take your time, take a year if you need to. But, um, you know, online hate speech is, is without question part of, part of our, our onward mission. I loved that big Archuela reveal. Yes, the pronunciation. Of course, Harry makes some amazing points in that little snippet, but also he reveals how to pronounce it, and we were right, so that's good. Yeah, I think Micah was the one that helped us, too. Yeah. Micah, we... <laughs> Oh, use too much. Too we much, can't even yeah. begin to think. But you it's for. great. I loved hearing him say that people are encouraging them to take their time as they figure it out. But it's really helping them kind of find their footing and their path as they figure out the causes that they want to get behind in this new role. Totally, totally. And especially at this time, we had the uh, heads of four of the biggest tech companies, you know, testify in Congress recently. It all feels so appropriate and so of the moment as we're all spending so much time online. It really is like the most appropriate time for them to tackle these things so i'm really excited to see what is next from them yes. and finally before we adjourn the royal pod here are highs and lows we're gonna do speed round it's time for the royal highs and lows Okay, Milo is gross. Disclaimer, it's awful. New details about Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein. So in Virginia, Roberts Jufri's unpublished book, The Billionaire Playboys Club, she writes, Prince Andrew allegedly used a puppet of himself to grope her and another victim. This is so disgusting. Oh, the puppet so was from an 80s British TV show, Spitting Image, and looked like a caricature of Prince Andrew. Um, but Jufri's manuscript was released as part of a large batch of unsealed documents. So a lot is coming out about Prince Andrew, curious to see if he'll be forced ever to testify, uh, you know, or to help with the New York District Attorney's case. But it's just it's just makes you feel icky, yeah, and want to well, take a shower. I know, yeah. like it's so gross, it's so disgusting, and I'm scared to see what else comes out. Uh, my low is that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's Sussex Royal Instagram handle was quietly removed from the royal family website this month. I feel Sad. like I actually went and and. Uh, poured over it I liked it a little like let's look back memory lane it's so many beautiful <laughs> pictures everyone should do that it's so comforting of at Sussex Royal you mean yeah at Sussex Royal yep um, Prince Andrew's Instagram was also removed but I'm okay with that I think the that biggest sense, thing yeah. that is kind of my I guess it's my low is just how lean the royal family looks when you go to the website their bio pages are still active but you just see you know at Clarence House at the royal family at Kensington Royal and that's it it's I mean a very lean monarchy so it's like it's just, just an interesting change what he wanted yeah but I, I think that it's just a sad removal but maybe 
you know, who knows what the future holds. It is sad to see them go permanently from the website. My high though this week is that we will see Megan this Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at a virtual summit. She'll be interviewing Emily Ramshaw, who's the co-founder and CEO of a new nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom focusing on gender and politics called the 19th asterisk. I really don't know how to pronounce that, but it does have an asterisk on it about creating a transformative newsroom centered on gender equity. Um, the 19th amendment is the amendment that gave women the right to vote. And so they are, the asterisk is, I guess, a symbol for that their work is not done. There's still more work to be done. And so I think that was really wonderful and sort of in the same vein, as we mentioned before, of Harry's recent work about the news and media and online hate speech. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays into their work going yes. forward. Set that calendar reminder. I can't wait. My high of the week is in the same vein, the Marie Claire piece. Bravo, Marie Claire, featuring 100 influential women on why they're voting in the 2020 election. I loved it. It is so wonderful. It's so interactive. It's beautiful. There's Michelle Obama. There's Hillary Clinton. There's Meghan Markle. She participated and her quote is frameworthy. I'm going to read it. She says, I know what it's like to have a voice and also what it's like to feel voiceless. I also know that so many men and women have put their lives on the line for us to be heard. And that opportunity, that fundamental right is in our ability to exercise our right to vote and to make all of our voices heard. One of my favorite quotes and one that my husband and I have referred to often is from Kate Shepard, a leader in the suffragist movement in New Zealand who said, do not think that your single vote doesn't matter much. The rain that refreshes the parched ground is made up of single drops. That is why I vote. Mic drop. (sighs) That quote is beautiful. That was my high of the week and kind of gets me really jazzed for November. Yes, go vote. Everyone who's listening, vote. And wear a mask. I'm going to say that every week. (laughs) Mask and vote (laughs) are two takeaways. So just a reminder, before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an episode and follow us on Instagram and the Facebook group. You can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. You can follow us personally on Instagram. I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. And Until next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.